Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello and welcome to the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. This is Casey McLean. Um, this is a pretty, pretty sad day in comedy. I'm recording this on Tuesday, which is the day that we all found out that Norm MacDonald passed away. <clears throat> and... First off, there's a lot of comedians making this about them. I'm going to clear some things up quickly. I've never met Norm MacDonald. I'm I was I didn't grow up like a Saturday Night Live fan. But Norm MacDonald's like one of the best comics ever. I mean, there's no doubt nobody is really arguing that he's I mean, he's like a I think he's like a perfect comedian i'm gonna i'm gonna play some stuff um or at least one one video during this episode that i think is like kind of the the quintessential nor it's like everything about norm mcdonald in one clip and i don't I actually don't know what the reason is i can't put a finger on I mean, I, I've liked a lot of stuff that Norm Macdonald's done, but I don't think I've ever would have said, like, he's my favorite comedian. Um, But then he's a guy that, like, every interview he's he would do, uh, late night appearance, every single thing is good. And he's also, like, intentionally self-sabotaging to the point that I mean, he, he, there's like a famous story about him, him being fired from SNL because he wouldn't stop making OJ Simpson jokes. And he's, I mean, just like a pure, pure comedian. I don't know what the reason is, but today, I mean, we've had many comedians pass away young. Um, and just, I mean, we just got to get this uh, fentanyl-laced cocaine off the streets, you know? Uh, I mean, Norm MacDonald had cancer. That's maybe, we'll see. It's tough when you don't have someone here to laugh about this with you because <clears throat> Norm MacDonald died of cancer. And I, I, I mean, I think that maybe it's like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know why, why Norm's hit me so hard. I read his book in the pandemic or I listen to the audiobook, I should say. Um Yeah, he's 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 just a perfect comedian. 
I don't know. I guess I don't know. It's almost like, you know, when you're in high school, I don't know if this is, this is relatable, but when I was in high school, there was like, I remember there were two, the two like hottest girls in school. Everyone agreed the two hottest girls in school, but there was like, uh, I think it was split 80, 20, not going to say their names, but they were split 80, 20. And one girl was like all American girl, blonde hair, athlete, straight A's. And the other girl was like wrong side of the tracks. And I think Norm MacDonald was like too perfect of a comedian. I think that's what it is. He was too perfect. That you almost, you just almost, uh, hey, you just like almost forget that he's, um, so great. <laughs> Let's see if I can pull it up. There's great, by the way. I might, I don't know if everyone's Twitter is like this, or it's just the people that I follow, and it makes me feel very validated in the people that I follow, but he, uh, I have been seeing just an absolute deluge of Norm MacDonald clips on, on Twitter today, and it's been very enjoyable. I remember when, when David Bowie died, I did an open mic at this, this comedy or at the comedy underground in Seattle. That's now uh, the now defunct. Amazingly. That thing was like a cockroach, but, and fuck Norm Macdonald probably played there at some point. When David Bowie died, I did the open mic, and I remember sitting at the bar upstairs, Swanee, waiting to find out, Swanee's, waiting to find out if I was going to get on the list, and this guy I was friendly with, a comic I was friendly with, but I wouldn't say friends with, he said, he like paid 40 bucks, and he's not the kind of guy that has $40 to blow on something like this. He spent $40 to make the jukebox play David Bowie exclusively for the time that he would be at this open mic. This is a jukebox in a room that is not where the comedy's happening. He's not going to listen to most of these David Bowie songs. And to be honest with you, back then, I kind of found that obnoxious. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear this much fucking David Bowie in a row. And now... On a day when uh, Norm Macdonald's died, I have spent so much of the day, I mean, every free second just about just consuming Norm Macdonald stuff. My wife got home from work and I put on Norm Macdonald clips. My um, my brother-in-law was over today, or my future brother-in-law. He's my, my, um, my sister's fiancé. And uh, we watched Norm Macdonald clips. Like, it was... It was, and it was like enjoyable and cathartic. And I saw my, uh, I don't again, I don't know if that, I don't know if I would call this guy a buddy because we don't know each other very well, but a Seattle, at least a former Seattle comedian, if not, if he would call himself a present Seattle comedian, Roger Lazola posted a thing. Um, very funny guy. I think his Twitter handle is probably Roger Lazola about how, Every comedian is making this Roger or this uh, Norm Macdonald death about them. And a lot of them are, and maybe I am too. I genuinely, and I, I have no explanation for this because I this is my 
personal connection to Norm Macdonald is <clears throat> when I first started dating my wife, my wife's grandpa was in the hospital or not in the hospital. I think he was, but he was, he had terminal bone cancer and, um, was degrading quickly. I never met him. So in the first, I mean, I think less than a year that we were dating, but it might've even been less time than that. He passed away. But I remember my, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law went and saw Norm Macdonald in a theater and my, <laughs> my mother-in-law, this is before I did comedy. My mother-in-law talked too much at the theater and had a guy shush her and got so mad about it. <clears throat> but then a lot of Norm Macdonald's act at the time was about his dad battling cancer. And this was like too fresh, too real, too... I mean, it wasn't escapist for her at all to watch a man talk about his dad's um, cancer on set. So... They had a really bad experience. Uh, we have since referenced that a couple times when we're like, you got to remember that Norm Macdonald experience when you come to one of my shows because you cannot talk in the audience. That's one of the rules. But my next connection to him, and it's these are minuscule. These do not, I'm, I'm, I will acknowledge, I'm, my, the point I am making is that I have no reason no personal reason to feel so strongly, to have felt so strongly about this Norm Macdonald death. But the first uh, comedy-related podcast I did with a comedian named Aaron Kirby, he, I'm going to tell his story, and it's, uh, we, he and I are not friends anymore, and, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess, like, I almost could, try to get him to do the podcast for this, but I don't think I'm going to. <clears throat> he opened for Norm Macdonald, or he, he hosted for Norm Macdonald at the Parlor Live in Bellevue, Washington, and they they played uh, pool for, like, the whole night. They were out till, like, 3 in the morning. This would have been in the time when... So what we found out today is that Norm Macdonald's had about a 10-year battle with cancer. I don't even think we know what kind of cancer it was yet. But he's had a 10-year battle with cancer, so he would have been in that battle. This was, you know, maybe seven or eight years ago. And Norm wasn't drinking. And there's a thing, by the way, Norm McDonald has a history of, like, gambling, uh, let's say problem gambling, <laughs> maybe gambling addiction is. Gambling addiction might be the, the clinical diagnosis, but I'm not here to make the clinical diagnosis. I think he's gone broke a couple times, so... You oh you hear that do you hear that cool motorcycle revving in the background? Um But he wasn't drinking. And at that age, I mean you know, he was in his fifties. A lot of guys stopped drinking. And I and I like for me personally, like I'm almost done I think I'm almost done drinking on the road for comedy. I think I'm really basically done getting drunk on the road for comedy, though. I mean, I have within six months, so let's not let's not call me a teetotaler yet. 
anyway, Norm was drinking, uh, Norm McDonald was drinking bitters and soda, which is bitters are very high alcohol percentage, but it was like, you know, bitters and soda water was essentially non-alcoholic, was essentially a non-alcoholic drink, but they, he's, it's like he needed the ritual so badly. And I feel like that's the, the thing that's relatable about Norm McDonald's. This guy's become a millionaire, I'm sure off of comedy at different points and still goes back to the well and he goes gambling because he still goes back to the well because the ritual is satisfying and needed bitters and soda because the the ritual is satisfying and that's i think norm mcdonald is a true comedian i mean the, the most recent thing like a like he put out one of the most iconic uh early covid sets talking about coronavirus he's he's had these like iconic moments the guy did fucking Weekend Update, got fired from Weekend Update, and was was hosting the show within a year. He's had every opportunity to become an absolute megastar, like a Kevin Hart level megastar. And he's trust. I mean, he's had a, he had an amazing career. Don't get me wrong, but the guy, you know, tall, good looking dude had every shot and I think because he didn't want and I and I say this like just based on his, the behavior that he's shown publicly not like I have some inside information but it seemed to me that Norm Macdonald did not want to be owned by anybody and I respect that I respect that a lot because right now we're we're living in a time where everybody's owned by somebody uh Luckily, this podcast isn't, but even this podcast, like I, I'm worried about, I did a podcast, I did an episode last week with uh, Rachel Afjay and Richie Afjay, and I, I really enjoyed it, but I, <clears throat> we were talking about pro-life versus pro-choice stuff, and I feel like there's a valid conversation to be had that isn't just this like bowing down to the women's right to choose, like I'm ultimately pro-choice, but I think there's a conversation to be had beyond like women should be the only one with any say. And I'm worried that at some point somebody that I, that I, um, could otherwise rely on for work or for, for practice on stage is going to hear that and be like, fuck him. He's, he's done forever. So like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, completely not owned by anybody. I have a day job. I'm owned by my day job in that regard. Like, I don't want to make certain jokes on, on social media and have it get back to my day job. I have a mortgage and a mortgage to pay for and a daughter to provide for and a wife to, uh, you know, share the support of our family with. So for now, I'm fucking owned. And I think Norm MacDonald wasn't. And I think part of the deal is he had you know, multiple shots at having money. He's a fucking brilliant guy. So he kept getting shots even after he burned bridges. <clears throat> and I don't have that. But if I did, I would like to think, I think we all want to think that we would maintain our artistic integrity. And I think that's what Norm MacDonald did. I don't know him at all. Um, I'm not like a lifelong fan of his work. I do love ever. I've never consumed a Norm Macdonald interview that I didn't enjoy. He had a show out on Netflix for 10 episodes. That was amazing. 
He had a podcast that I used to listen to <clears throat> called like Norm McDonald Live. I never did see in Dirty Work came out when I was in high school or maybe middle school. But it missed the period of time where I was like allowed to uh <laughs> where I was allowed to watch rated R movies. And so uh I never saw Dirty Work. It's like my dirty my uh coincidentally my dirty admission here. I got to pause this real quick. So anyway, back I'm back. And I'm worried. That's the point. Is I'm worried. I'm uh I'm always worried. I'm always and I and I guess what you want to see, and I maybe I already said this on the previous part. I just I want I love seeing people not self-censor. Whether I agree with them or not, I love seeing people not self-censor. So I'm gonna play this clip of uh Norm McDonald. This is from his I thought it was from his most recent he had a TV show with the booker of the comedy store, Adam Egan, but now I'm thinking it might not be that. It's this, he's talking to Nick Swartzen, another comic. Uh, Adam Egan is his friend. He uh, he was the booker at the comedy store. I think he moved to, he's one of the many that moved to Austin. So this is like, to me, a perfect example of the brilliance of Norm MacDonald. <laughs> hey, for the ninth consecutive year, uh, Nick, JetBlue Air, Airlines ranked first for satisfaction among all North American airlines. But you know what ranked least in satisfaction? 9-11 Airlines. <laughs> what a terrible name for an airline. It reminds me of that tragedy. <laughs> oh, 9-11. Yeah, no. Oh, don't laugh at 9-11. I tried to tell him not to go, laugh. Adam. I know. I walked through blood and bones in the streets of Manhattan trying to find my brother. Jesus. Yeah, he was in northern Canada. <laughs> So it's it's everything the norm does great. It's this super dark topic. It's this completely false and absurd premise. This path to get there that makes you feel it builds tension, right? This like I walked through blood and bones in the streets of Manhattan. It builds tension to this like absurd punchline that he'd be telling the story if his brother was in northern Canada. Yeah, I mean just he's just an absolute unique talent. It's just so sad to know. I I was like I'm fine now, but like when it came through, I saw someone else tweet about it. And when it came through, I was like honestly, I was almost in tears. I don't know. I don't think I've ever cried by the way about a death of somebody that Oh, that's not true. When the Mariners announcer Dave Niehaus died, I went to his memorial at, at Safeco Field and I cried at the memorial. But somebody I didn't know, I don't think I've ever, ever cried at their death. And I came very close today. Um, somebody besides Dave Niehaus. <sighs> so rest in peace, uh, Norm MacDonald. I don't, this is what a, what a somber way to start this, but. I did try to make sure I didn't want to do my plugs before this. So if you had to, if, if, uh, you made it through that, thank you. I don't know if that's any good or not, or if I should just delete it and start over, but I'm like, I'm never moved by celebrity death. And I just am, man, it's a tough one. 
Uh, please, on that note, <laughs> please come. Uh, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, there's a free show at Airport Tavern this week. It's called Prepared for Takeoff. It'll be me and seven other comics. Um, they're all like, uh, they're all doing 10 minutes up and coming, um, like club comics. These are people that are going to be club comics. Some of them are already are club comics, a very good show. Uh, I don't know if that's clear by the way, like, like how rare it is not to suck my own dick, uh, but how rare it is to be like. A, because I have to remind myself of this sometimes. We had in this state, um, or in this region, this side of the state, we had laughs. We have, we have laughs comedy club, <laughs> which I auditioned for yesterday or last week, and I'm uh, I feel immensely frustrated at the. I don't think that the owners were in the club when I like we're in the showroom when I was performing I had been trying to get uh on there like so so in the pandemic they started this system of auditions to be able to work for free and I've been trying to get an audition for like nine months I get an audition finally and I don't want to I don't want to toot my own horn but like I should be working that club uh I shouldn't have to attempt to get on the the list of auditions four times. And I know that's, it's cocky and grotesque and it's, <clears throat> I shouldn't, I'm not saying I should be fucking headlining it every 16 months or whatever, but, uh, you know, so we have laughs. We had the comedy underground. We had, um, Parlor Live. This is a, at one point I think the peak of my time doing comedy. We had Club Comedy Seattle maybe overlapped with Laughs a little bit or with uh, Parlor Live. That's four clubs, and then Tacoma Comedy Club. So that's five clubs in Western Washington. Most of those clubs have like a six or eight person rotation of MCs, maybe like maybe like 15 local features, some out of town features or whatever. The point is there's not that many people who are getting regular comedy club work. And so these folks are all like right on the verge or there. This is a good show. It's a very good show. Club caliber comedy coming to airport tavern. So, and for free, Go to uh, my link tree or um, go to Eventbrite. Look for First Class Comedy. Please come out to the show. Uh, th- like I said, this one's free. We're going to do one with a cover charge a month when we have a headliner, uh, a high-level headliner on the show. And then the rest of the shows will be free. Every single comic that's booked will get paid, no matter if you uh, if you. No matter if you come or not, and no matter if it's a cover charge show or not, everybody's getting paid. So, except for me, probably. I will probably, I just, I wanna, I'm going to be very transparent about this, actually, because uh, I, so, the, yeah, here's a, here's a couple things. 
first off, um, I'm I'm booking the show because I want to get better as a comic. I make enough money in comedy and at my day job that I don't need to, uh, I don't need to make any money off this show, and I don't really. It's not like I have some like altruistic desire to improve the comedy community. I don't think that's first off. I don't think the comedy community community has been that good to me for me to want to give back to it. But also, like, I don't um, think it exists. The quote unquote comedy community. If you hear anyone talking about that shit or posting it, if you're a fan of comedians on social media, it's bullshit. There's no community. There's a there's a fucking like three way divide between. Uh, it's it's as it's as partisan but way further left than American politics because comedians are psychopathic assholes. That's what I talked about uh, with Rachel. So I don't give a fuck about the comedy community. I'd like to get people that have helped me um, on stage if they want to be and paid money if they want it. And I'd like to get some new comics that I think are good up. But my most, the thing that is most important to me out of this whole thing is that I get up and get new material rolling. And then I think I want to record something at Airport Tavern. That's how cool this room is, by the way, is I, I want to record something there, uh, an album of some type. I don't think that I got the thing that I want out of the Spokane shows. It's possible that after my November trip to um, Skyline Comedy Club, I will have a different view of that. But for now, I don't have uh, I don't have the recording that I want. So come on out. Please come on out. And I'll announce that later. I think it'll be, I'm going to try to record something in like December or January. Hopefully people will be too goddamn sick of the cold. Hopefully, by the way, we're still allowed to be out and about. I also, I want to stop talking about COVID and politics. Can somebody hold me to that? Can you fucking tweet at me or email me when it's annoying? When I'm annoyingly talking about politics oh we had um there was <laughs> tragedy and comedy was not limited to norm mcdonald by the way um i referenced it on the last podcast but we didn't talk about it in depth four comedians in los angeles overdosed on fentanyl laced cocaine the dude michael k williams who's omar from the wire which i only know because everyone just calls him omar from the wire I've never seen that show. I've heard it's great. Um, but I just, there's a whole bunch of those like bingeable shows that I've never seen. Anyway, four comics overdosed. Uh, three of them died. Kate Quigley lived. And I think I'm not a big drug guy. I'm not a, I smoked a lot of weed when I was in high school. I haven't smoked weed since I was 19, not on any moral reason. I just, it started to give me panic attacks. And then I, um, and then I started getting jobs that drug tested. And so the incentive was minimal. It was like, Oh, I could lose my job and have a bad time. It was not hard for me to quit weed. It was difficult to come to grips with the fact that I didn't like it anymore, but it was not hard to quit. And so I'm not a big drug guy. I've done, this is my drug history. I smoked weed, drank alcohol, obviously. Um, 
I did that robo tripping thing, which is like if you take enough cough medicine, it's a hallucinogen. And I I did Adderall when I was drunk one time. Is that it? And I guess like I guess like uh one time in my life I took Vicodin to see what it was like recreationally, and I do not understand the recreational benefit of Vicodin at all. So that's it. That's my drug history. And so I wasn't clamoring to do cocaine. I would say the only drugs that I don't presently do that I find compelling at all is at some point, I think I would like to try to see if I can like weed again, but I don't know when that will be. It's the having a kid really puts like a damper on your ability to just be fucked up for eight straight hours. Um, because the other ones that I would like to do, actually probably the only other one that I have any interest in is, uh, mushrooms, psilocybin. By the way, I'm watching this show with my wife and I, maybe it'll get better, but I'm, I'm watching the show with my wife and Gabriel Rutledge has a great bit on this right now, by the way. Um, it's called nine perfect strangers. And we're like, I think it's, the the I think it's one season for the love of God. I hope it's one season. I think there's like eight episodes and we're on episode seven or there's, we might be two episodes from the end. <clears throat> it's Nicole Kidman as this, like, I'm going to give the whole thing away. So if you're watch, I mean, if you're watching it and you're behind, uh, I hate it. I'm watching the whole thing because we're this far into it, but I fucking do not like the show. I don't like a single character on the show. There's not a single person on that show to root for. Um, Nicole Kidman, the least, her character, Masha, who's this lady who was like some super type A businesswoman. And then her life was changed. And she got when she got shot by someone who she had wronged, presumably. And then she opens this like, healing center in what seems like you know the the beach part of california she opens this healing center this whole fucking show seems like an advertisement for microdosing mushrooms but the idea that this like russian lady out of nowhere just becomes she has this experience where she gets shot and then immediately jumps into like this massively successful and sought after healing center, the psilocybin healing center. It's just, it's just so fucking annoying, but we're going to finish it because it's produced very well. It's got good parts. It's interesting. It's not my, my, the reason I haven't done mushrooms yet is because my wife is even less of a drug person than I am. And I do think in a marriage, you should allow your wife to have influence over whether or not you do drugs. So I'm giving her that influence and she doesn't want it. She doesn't like the idea. So I'm chipping away. I was chipping away. And then this fucking Nicole Kidman show comes out and does not depict mushrooms in a an attractive way. Anyway, I have no interest in doing cocaine. I never have had any interest in doing cocaine. I did like Adderall, but I've never had any interest in doing a cocaine. And now I think I've reached the, I'll never do it. I know that now. I'll never try it. I'm too scared after that. Like after the, the way that I understand this scene is, is 
I think Kate Quigley was like not feeling well after the first she had done like some cocaine was not feeling well, went to bed, woke up all groggy and fucked up and all of her friends were in the living room dead. That's fucking terrifying. That is so terrifying. I'll never do cocaine. <clears throat> Rest in peace to those comics that I, I didn't know any of them personally. Uh, and I, I don't think they were all comics, but it doesn't matter. They're it's, it's sad. I think it's like, it's easy to, I mean, cocaine is around more than you think. I think that's kind of the thing. Cocaine is kind of like the way that weed was like in the eighties where it's like a lot of people were doing it, but they weren't talking about it because it wasn't like socially beloved at the time. But a lot of people are doing cocaine. And I think, I think, I do think, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying this is the perfect solution, but I do think that just, uh, legalizing, regulating and taxing is the way to solve this issue, right? It's, it's, uh, why are, why wouldn't you look at why people are putting fentanyl and cocaine and try to solve that? All right. The last thing I guess I want to talk about is the, uh, the Met Gala. I didn't even know what the Met Gala was until yesterday. And I don't know why this year specifically it like crossed my radar. I don't know what it is about this year specifically, but that is, I cannot believe that event exists. This it's the this is what my understanding of it is. It's the Oscars without the awards. It's like without any of the stuff that makes the Oscars compelling at all. It is just rich people showing up to a party. They're all trying to one up each other and have the bigger rich dick. Uh, AOC showed up and had a dress on that said "Tax the Rich." If that, I would love to see the price of that fucking dress. By the way. What our what our taxpayers are paying for? I would love to see what uh, what that dress cost. I think that AOC and I probably agree on a lot of stuff politically, but I have grown to despise that type of politics. This like, and they're both both sides are doing it. By the way, it's not. Oh, I'm doing the thing that I said earlier. I didn't want to talk about politics. Okay. Well, you got to email me. That's the, that's the thing. It's fucking, uh, both, both sides are doing this thing where it's like, we're, it's a dunk contest. It's a, it is a dunk contest. And this like gawker level snark is coming out of politics. Like that we have our political figures, our fucking leaders are like clapping back on each other and are, are writing fucking think pieces and acting like, like, they were born on the internet children. And this is 60 year old white men down to fucking 30 year old women and all the way through. It is all bad. None of them are good. That's the, that's the conclusion that I've come to. I have a joke that I'm going to do about this, but the, <clears throat> I realized that the, the oldest coach in the history of the NFL and being a football coach is one of the classic, classically oldest and whitest jobs you can have. Being a football coach is old and white as shit. And the oldest football coach in the history of the NFL, they showed a graphic during the Seahawks game because, because um, Pete Carroll's very old. 
was Romeo Cornell last year as I believe an interim coach for Houston was 73 years old. That's the oldest man to ever coach in the NFL. Before that, Romeo Cornell's a black man, by the way, um, which is not going to help the joke. In fact, it kind of hurts the joke a little bit. But uh, before that, it was George Hallis, who I think coached the Bears, right? But he, he was 72 years old. 72 years old means that if he ran for president and was a candidate for the two major parties, he would have been the youngest viable candidate in 2020. That's fucking crazy. That's the, this is the world we live in. Okay. Like this is, Oh my God. I mean, talk about being owned. Um, I'm going to do some shows. I'm, I guess I'm done with that. I don't know. I don't have anything beyond that. I have some, uh, so hopefully some punchlines will come to me before tomorrow's show. I might just record it on that one, on that one show and then never tell a joke again. Uh, I have some shows coming up. I have, please go to the to see some dates. <clears throat> I have, let's see. I've stopped maintaining my calendar. Oh man, I'm going to be Everett Historic Theater on Saturday with JP Sears and Josh Firestein. Two shows sold out. I guess if you're, you know, go find some tickets on the secondary market. Airport Tavern every Wednesday, um, the 24th. I'll be headlining, or I guess closing out uh, the Dog Days Brewing show in Bremerton. Um, October 7th, I will be in Muckleteo, the first show hosted by, oh, why can't it, Craig Stewart, who's a Muckleteo-based comic, uh, with, I'm there with Bernice Yee and Taylor Clark. <clears throat> um, and then I have some exciting dates coming up. Uh, oh yeah, I'm also, I'm headlining a show in Burien for a, the producer's name is Rob Constantine. I don't know. I think it's like landing strip brewing or something like that. But then October 27th through 30th, I will be in Montana. I will be in uh big sky, the 27th billings, the 28th. I think Butte, Montana, the 29th. I'm still trying to hammer down uh, an official date. And then Bozeman, Montana on the 30th. Please come on out. I think some of these are door deals. So if you live in that area or you know someone in that area, please, please, please tell them to come out. I know that the the uh, October 30th is a door deal. That said, um, <clears throat> there's a new comedy club in Bozeman, Montana named Last Best Comedy. And I am headlining October 30th they're the the comics they are getting around me make me think that they might eventually change their mind but uh they got Gabriel Rutledge they got Matt Bronger they got Kyle Kinane I think they got John Ozilay and they got Casey McClain they got him they got the greats all the greats um and then November 
12th and 13th, I'll be in Lincoln City, Oregon, making too much money to MC a show. Pretty exciting. I get to go to the Oregon coast and make too much money. I think I'm going to bring my wife to the, at least to the hotel and hang around the city with her. And then, uh, October or November 18th through 20th, I will be in Appleton, Wisconsin with Adrian Appalucci. Very excited about it. And then I don't have a lot on the calendar after that. So please. Oh, January 21st. Let's not, let's not go too far. January 21st. I will be with Gabriel Rutledge at North Bend theater. We'll start advertising it soon. That is a full-on door deal. We're trying to work on an experiment to to make some fucking money at that place. So pl- I'll put it on my Eventbrite soon. I'll put it on uh, Gabe's Eventbrite also. Please come on out to that. If, you, if you're going to buy tickets to anything in the new year, I think that uh, North Bend Theater might be the place. All right. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate it every one of you that listens um tell a friend tell a coworker. please share this fucking thing retweet it or whatever uh whatever my daughter's daycare has a a covet outbreak so my life is back in shambles if you're if you're a long-time listener you remember in this in the summer of 2020 my daughter's or no sorry the the spring of 2020 my daughter's first daycare closed and then we got into we are these parents that were uh, we were privileged enough to have a dream daycare, and then we got into that dream daycare. We were there from the end of September until the middle of November, and then they had a COVID outbreak. And then we were without daycare from the middle of November until uh, the end of January. And then we signed up for a newly opening and we'd actually had our eye on it for a while as like an alternative if we never got into the dream daycare they opened this daycare and we had to get our daughter out within i don't know like a couple months it was really bad and so now we're on our fourth daycare and and my daughter's only two years old but our fourth daycare in like 18 months and uh it's fucking stressful because right now we're without daycare for the next couple weeks so my life's in shambles it's all falling apart hopefully it gets better soon um stay safe wear a mask vaccinate yourself if you feel compelled to thank you for listening to this podcast and i podcast podcast and i will uh, talk to you next week